We were calling them Velcro babies because they would just attach to us. It was Velcro awful. babies. Wow. Awful how they would just wrap their arm. I mean, they would pull on your clothes until you would pick them up. I mean, it was, it was awful. And then this little baby girl, I mean, it just, just, she's probably one and a half years old. And I picked her up and you know, when you pick them up, they just push themselves into you. They make themselves so much heavier than they are. They just grab hold to you. And um, I sang her a lullaby, the lullaby my mother used to sing to me um, because I had, again, I hadn't forgotten that it was Mother's Day. And I sing this little baby a lullaby and she falls asleep in my, in my arms. And I walk into her room to put her to bed. And I walk into this room with these 30 wooden beds, like picnic tables. And the minute I put that baby, that, or, that hungry orphan baby on a wooden bed on Mother's Day, I heard her bones hit that bed and I just changed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought, here I am partying around the world and they have nothing. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. So how does that song go, friends? Money makes the world go round, the world go round, the world go round, right? Is that how that song goes? Something like that, right? Or, or is it that money makes you happier? Is that it? Money makes you happy? How many people are happy with money? Money make you real happy. They can buy some of the nice things of life. You can buy a nice dinner out. You can buy the niceties of life, right? The nice tangible items. I don't know if they necessarily make you happy. Maybe a fast car, you can drive faster. Maybe that feels good for a little bit. But at some point, the novelty wears off, right? And then what do you have? That, you know, just yesterday, I was looking out in the beautiful um, area of green trees, that sort of thing. And I love nature. I love, you know, not that I get there a lot, but I love it. And somebody was commenting to me about how they wanted to like spend a lot of money and remodel in their place. And I'm thinking, I don't even really care about that. I'd rather take the trees, please, in the forest at this point in my life. Yeah. Anyways, it's Malcolm Aloud here along with Kevin Williams. Welcome to the brink of greatness. And boy, is there a unique story today. This is all about miracles today. Miracles. Just keep, remember that word, miracles. It'll come back just a little bit later here. Our Brink thinker today, Caroline Boudreau. Nice to meet you. Hello. So you're in a, a beautiful part of the country that I enjoy. I love the Texas area. There are cool people living in Texas, by the way. I'm sure you know that, right? Yes. Greetings from Austin, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times in life, Caroline, we're reaching for something and we don't really quite know what we're reaching for. And somehow money, a lot of people make money the prize, you know, like money's the prize or something. I know a lot of people that don't have a lot of money, but they're the happiest people on the planet. And I know other people who have tons of it and they're some of the most miserable creatures going, you know, right? Would you agree with that? 
it's interesting, isn't it? Well, it is. That's I say, money. I I gave you my singing lessons up front. Money makes the world go round. The world go round, right? <laughs> the world go round. I don't know. Is that what it is? They say. But listen. So what happens when you're in a job? And you were. You had experienced something. You were working for a television station in Austin, Texas. And um, you weren't that happy. You were making a lot of money doing your thing, but you really wasn't happy. Tell us about that because a lot of people can – I want people to understand uh, – I think people can appreciate or uh, that experience you went through, but a lot of people don't act on it. In other words, some people, Caroline, live their whole life and they never – really make the change or the leap forward to do what they really want to do in their life. What was going on in your life at that time? Well, like you said, you know, so I had always thought I wanted to go for the money. I just, we were lower middle class. You know, I came from a large Catholic family, um, just nine of us. And I, uh, you know, it was, we didn't have a lot of money, but I always thought let me, if I just could make some money, things would be great. And the more money I made, the more I just realized, well, I'm just still the same person. And one day I'm, I'm in traffic. It's hot. I'm, you know, all dressed up in my, um, you know, amazing clothes and my, you know, designer clothes. And I'm just thinking, what is wrong? I mean, I, I don't have any contentment. I'm not fulfilled. You know, and I called my parents that night and I, I just remember my thought, my father said, how many zeros is it going to take? what how many zeros is it going to take to get you to happy and it just hit me like I, I am just unhappy so I um, went out with my friend one night that you know very recently after that and then she and I just decided you know what let's just quit these jobs and and quit and take a trip around the world for a year and just go experience some some life it was amazing. It was a great, it was, it was an aha moment for me. Well, I have to tell you right now, now I'm, I'm writing down that quote right now from dad. I love that quote, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I can visualize dad saying that. How many zeros is it going to take to make you happy? Well, dad, you know, I don't know. He's uh, full of them too, Malcolm. I mean, the other one. So, you know, my friend and I cook up this big plan. Mm -hmm. We're going to quit our jobs and take a trip around the world. We're going to, we, so we spread a world map on the floor and we started picking the countries we wanted to see. And when I told my father what we were going to do, he said, now, Caroline, how are you going to find yourself in a place you've never been? <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah. Now I can just imagine that experience as well. Uh, so I, this is kind of really wild here though. Just let's understand this now. So you and your, your friend, so is your girlfriend, right? Yeah, my girl, my okay. best friend. Right, right, right. And you put out all the stuff on the floor, and you just decide. And, and now you're still employed while you do this. I take it, right? Yes, absolutely. Right. And you put all this out, and you say, "Okay." And what was the what was that burning desire in you? It was just that you knew it wasn't at the television station, the job in Austin, and it was time to do something. And you didn't know where, and that was it, huh? Yeah, let's just go live a little. We, we were both single. We had some good money and we didn't have children and we just thought, let's just go chase summer for a year. Just be in the summertime for a full year. So instead of chasing men, you chased summer. Absolutely. We, we, <laughs> smart we girl. Thinking, we would think the men would chase us. <laughs> there you go. There's no smart girl though. My golly. I yeah. love it. All right. So what, so tell, I take us, I love this idea. Now you're on the floor, you're looking at all this. So you now Caroline are acting on something in your life that most people, you've already, you're already helping people out in our talk today because 
you're, you're telling people that you can do this. It's possible. If you just get down, you know, like you said, now, get on the floor, put your stuff on the floor and figure it out. I like, I like that because it's the simplest possible denominator. Yeah. Absolutely. And we started picking the countries we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. We, she wanted to go to India because she'd been sponsoring a little boy and yeah. she wanted to go meet him. And I thought it was a bunch of baloney. I, I thought, Chris, they give everybody the same picture. There's no way that kid is real. Let's please not waste our time. So she was sponsoring. Is this one of the programs where you send in so much money a month? Exactly. She was paying, I don't remember, $40. Now, my mom and dad used to do those programs like um, uh, about 100 years ago, I think. I don't know. No, yeah. But they used to do those programs where you're sending so much money a month and you're sponsoring. You don't know. So I, I never thought the kids existed. Are you saying they do? I'm saying I didn't believe it for a second. <laughs> and she said, no, you know, please, let's just go and do this. So that, so I agreed to do that part. And it really was the, the um, transition part of my entire life, um, going, going to India and, and meeting that little kid really led to the rest of the whole, the, it changed the trajectory of my life. So, but we, we're, we're planning this trip. We decide we're going to leave in January, take a full year, and we start a in January. full getting- year? This ain't a month now. Hold on. Hold on, girlfriend. This is not a month. This is not two months. This is not six weeks. This is a year. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, we were going to we were going to do it. And she and I had traveled before. We were really she was, you know, she's is still to this day one of my best friends on the planet. And we just knew we were going to get along well and we we even had a contract, no complaining, no gossiping. You, you created know, your own off. contract. You wrote your own contract. What year was this, Caroline? This well, we planned it in 1999 and we left in January of 2000. Okay. So this is 19 years ago we're talking love. 19 years ago. Wow, I I thought it was sooner than that. So this is all right. So we've we've got 19 years of growth since then. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. So we uh, we leave in January. We started at the at the southern tip of Africa. Worked our way up Africa. Got to India in May. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 119 degrees. We were joking that you know we wanted to chase summer, and boy did we find it. Um, 119. Yeah, we went to this this state called Orissa, Odisha. Now they've changed the name, Odisha. Okay. And um, we go to this very remote village and we get paraded through this village. And at the end of this parade is this little boy holding the first picture she ever sent him and the first letter she ever sent him. And he was real. I was floored. So um, the boy was real now that your, your, your friend had been donating to, to help the boy out. Yep. He was real. And he was getting what they promised. They promised clean water, free primary education, and I can't remember the third thing they promised, but whatever it was that they promised, he was They were doing it. And and does this organization, do you have any idea if this organization still exists today? They do. It's called Child Fund. And it's a real deal. It was the real deal. You know, I really want to. I really want to put that with your permission on on the post when this does go from talk radio to podcast. I'd like to mention that in there. That is yeah. entirely cool, huh? It was. It was really, really cool. And you know, so we we go to this village. We meet the boy. We start doing volunteer work there. And the whole time I'm there, Malcolm, I'm thinking, Wow, this is the bottom of the pyramid. This is what I have been reading about. How awesome that I get to be with these people. And I really thought I was looking at the poorest people in the world. And I was, I was so wrong because here we go to the money thing again. It's, you know, money isn't really the whole definition of poverty, is it? So 
the fact that they loved each other and the fact that they had each other, there was an, there was an element of, of happiness that I had never really experienced before an element of community that I'd never experienced before, but I thought they were the poorest. They were certainly the poorest people I had ever seen or been around. And so we start doing volunteer work there. We're there for, you know, it's May. We're there for you know, a few days. And then one day, um, the social worker who spoke English invited us to his house for dinner. And we reluctantly agreed because it was Mother's Day. So I'd gotten up early to call my mom for Mother's Day. We'd gone to work in the 119 degree heat all day. We were so hot and gritty. And really the last thing we wanted to do was go eat more hot food, you know, at this guy's house. But we didn't want to be rude either. So we agreed and we... We drive to his house and we walk into the door and we walk into this orphanage. The, these 110 filthy, bald, empty looking children just staring at us. I was totally unprepared. I had, I had no, I mean, it was Mother's Day. I'd never forgotten that. But you know, here are these children that had nothing. I mean, they have no one. This is what poverty is everything changed walking into that orphanage and we had dinner with them. They served us chicken and they served the children rice. Um, they, they didn't have any protein. That's why they were all bald. They weren't shaving their heads. They were bald because they didn't have any protein. I was going to ask you that. Why are they that way? Gotcha. All right. Yeah. And, and then of course some, mm -hmm. some lice issues, right. I'm, I'm sure. And then we had, um, we had a beautiful um, uh, service with them. And then we started, um, holding the kids after dinner, we were holding them and we were calling them Velcro babies because they would just attach to us. It was Velcro awful. babies. Wow. Awful how they would just wrap their arm. I mean, they would pull on your clothes until you would pick them up. I mean, it was, it was awful. And then this little baby girl, I mean, just, just, she was probably one and a half years old and I picked her up and you know, when you pick them up, they just push themselves into you. They make themselves so much heavier than they are. They just grab hold to you. And um, I sang her a lullaby, the lullaby my mother used to sing to me, um, because I had, again, I hadn't forgotten that it was Mother's Day. And I sing this little baby a lullaby, and she falls asleep in my in my arms. And I walk into her room to put her to bed, and I walk into this room with these thirty wooden beds, like picnic tables. And the minute I put that baby, that or that hungry orphan baby on a wooden bed on Mother's Day, I, mean, I heard her bones hit that bed. And I just changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought, here I am partying around the world and they have nothing. Mm. Well, here's the thing you helped redefine the word poverty just a moment ago in a very unique way, by the way. I mean, it, it certainly did not escape me. I hope it didn't ex escape our listeners either. You totally redefined the word poverty. <laughs> really think about that. I mean, what really is poverty? Huh? I mean, is it just the people that you thought were the poorest people in the world initially? Well, I mean, they didn't have, money or tangible items, but, or was it the people that had absolutely nothing, no relationships, no connections, no anything when they cling themselves to you, as you say, Velcro babies, that kind of says a lot, but there's the word poverty. That's, that's, I mean, if that's an empty vessel at that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean it did. It changed everything. And really one of the things I've learned since then is there's really three things that everybody wants. Okay. We all want to love and be loved. We all want our families to be healthy, happy, prosperous, free, taken care of. 
and we really want to make a difference. Yet we put our ladder against the money tree and climb again and, and money doesn't get any of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it was really a, it was really an opportunity to change my perceptive perception of what I was really going to go after. And I was going to make a difference. if It was the last thing I ever did. Hmm. And that was profound then. So now this is the trip. This is India. This is what's happening. You, and, and it was your the same, was your friend having the same uh, effect was, was it as profound for her as it was for you? Um, no, you know, it emotionally wrecked me. I, I mean, it was, but you know what she did was, so, you know, I'd, we would go back to the hotel and we would talk about it and talk about it. And so I think maybe day five, she finally just said, Caroline, please go to an internet cafe, which is where you had to go back then. Go to an internet cafe and write, just get it out of you. And thank God I did because that, that cemented, you know, the feelings that I had, the smell of the, you know, the, the, the combination of urine and ammonia and sweat was the smell of that orphanage and the, mm. the sound of her bones against the bed and the, the splintered room, you know, beds and mm-hmm. the mildewed rooms. And I just, you know, I just wrote down. And then she even said, you know, write down your five senses, write down what you saw, smelled, felt, heard, and saw, you know, she just really helped me hone that nightmare. Mm. And it's really been, the, it's become the North star. The North Star and your your friend now, um, as we tell more of the story ahead with the, the Miracle Foundation and all that you're doing there, uh, and I, I'm anxious to find out all of how that happened and, and what have you, but um, your friend now, uh, did she get in, did she follow through, did she get involved in any of that with you or did she yeah, take, I mean, you know, yeah. she writes a check uh, every month, but she really, you know, it's, it's really my, it's really my baby. She came back, she got married, she had two children, she's got a big job, you know, so she, uh, I, it is, Miracle Foundation was started by me, I'm the founder, um, but she was there, she was there for it, she was there for the very beginning. She was there for support, she was there to help you support, and she's very encouraged, encouraged with it? Oh, yeah, she's amazing, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Wow, what a what a so uh, uh, incredibly unique story, Caroline, incredible. Um, uh, the Miracle Foundation, friends, um, the, i tell you more about this website and the work that she's doing around the world now, what Caroline is doing with all of this here. Uh, I love your spirit, Caroline. You have a beautiful jump in your step, um, and your voice transcends that. Uh, it's really, really cool. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you just you can feel there's life in your voice that is unique, um, and I like that a lot. Uh, I, it maybe it's just a, it's a magnet for me anyways. People that are doing things on the planet and people who th- see things a little differently here. Uh, pretty awesome. I notice also, uh, we'll have to find out lots more because I notice in your notes here, just, just now, just this moment, I noticed you have a cell phone in India. That tells me something must have happened in India because if you kept a cell phone there, I just yeah. noticed that this second. So we'll talk about why you need a cell phone in India. I have no idea. Obviously, there's got to be something to that story. We're going to pick this up again in just a moment here and talk about the Miracle Foundation, what happened. Uh, Well, we got to get some answers from Caroline. We'll be back in just a moment here. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com where the conversation never ends. 
Sports. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Caroline Boudreaux, she is the Miracle Foundation here. She's the founder. What's the first name of your friend so we can refer to her? Her name is Chris. Chris, thank you, thank you. I just don't, don't like to say your friend or that woman, you know. <laughs> so Chris, Chris and Caroline are out on this year-long journey. Imagine being able to do that and take the year to discover themselves and discover where they wanted to be. And by the way, I need to know, when you were in India back then, 19 years ago, I, do I assume the trip continued on to other countries and what have you, or did it all, I mean, because you said you were taking the year to explore different places. Right, we, we kept going. So we okay. the, the trip was planned for a year, um, but we ended up cutting it short. We only did nine months. Okay. So, yeah. She and I were both just kind of tired. We were ready. Well, you would be after sleeping in strange beds all that time, right? You're carrying your dirty clothes around everywhere. It gets old. It gets old after a while. I have a hard time with a weekend if I'm lucky to get it. Tell us about that trip now. What are the places that you go to? Where does it go from there? So right after India, we went to Nepal. And Nepal was cool because we knew. So that was a six-month mark. So it was the halfway mark. And we thought we might want to just take a little bit of a break and be alone. So at the, we agreed that in Nepal, we would separate and we would go our separate, separate ways for a month. And so after experience, experiencing that horrible orphanage and the, the plight of those children and seeing the uh, just horror and the suffering, I was alone in Nepal for four weeks just trekking around uh, the Himalayas by myself. I mean, I did have, a, I had a, a, a guide, but, um, pretty much by myself, just a great time to think and pray and figure out what am I going to do with this? I can, you know, I can ignore it. I can pretend I didn't see it, although, you know, you can't unsee that. Um, Or I can do something about it. And so I really spent the next four weeks in Nepal to just try to figure out what could I do for those children. That was probably a blessing that you were on your own for that month, probably. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, she was, uh, like I said, it, it really emotionally wrecked me. And so I think she was probably ready to. <laughs> That's what I'm, I've already read between the lines. Chris said, yeah. I, need, I need a month, Caroline, without this nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I could, you know. Yeah. So, um, so then, then we went to Thailand and uh, then um, I can't even, I can't even remember where we went after that. Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a blur. And Malaysia and Bali and Australia. And I mean, you know, the, 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 the the, the trip didn't end. We finally ended in, um, we ended in Australia in September. Okay. You come back home now and uh, you, you had already given your job up, right? I mean, your job was oh, yeah. gone, right? I assume. Okay. Right. Right. So, so you have no job now. You spent the nine months out. You, you're still in one piece with your mind. I'm saying, you know, and you and Chris are still talking, right? You didn't get mad yeah. at each other. That's still amazing in itself. Absolutely. Still friends. She she didn't get totally tidy. Just just needed those thirty days, by the way. But everything's good. And uh, so now you're back home. And tell me what what goes on. And, and oh, and what does Dad say when you come home? What did he ever say? I gotta I gotta find out. Well, everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, like what? Of course. Social worker, you're not an Indian. You don't you don't know anything about the nonprofit world. You don't know anything. You know you don't know anything about anything. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to help these kids? I mean. <laughs> And so, um, but I, I really just thought, you know, I've got to really try to do something. So my first initial thing was let's just get them adopted. 
right? Because that's what every orphan needs is uh, a, a parent, a good parent. Now you said that, hold on now, you said this to yourself. In other words, you, uh, do I understand that as you get back home here, you were trying to figure out how to solve the problem? Actually, I figured out the adoption stuff when I was in Nepal. I thought I am going to get these kids adopted because that's what, that's how you solve this orphan crisis is you get them adopted. Mm. So I came back and I uh, came back and then in November, uh, November 4th, 2000, um, I, uh, I put the articles of incorporation together for a company called the Miracle Foundation because, well, two things. Number one, I knew that all miracles, those children deserved a foundation. Um, that's been kind of the company line nowadays. But in back in the olden days, I thought, gosh, it's going to take a miracle to get this foundation on the ground. And so that's why I called it the Miracle Foundation. Mm. Well, and you're creating miracles. Not only yeah. is it a miracle yet, but you're creating miracles. We're going to be miracle dependent is the other thing. You know, I knew that I didn't have the experience. I knew I wasn't qualified. So I, I was going to have to depend on some miracles to happen. And so the first thing we did, the first thing I did was um, I started an international adoption agency and I got all the licenses and the paperwork and I got licensed in the state of Texas and I got licensed in America and then I got licensed in India. Um, I hired a social worker. We found six children available for international adoption in India and six families easily uh, found the families. Now, hold on. How does one go about setting up an international uh, adoption or that cannot be an easy thing to set up. It wasn't easy. Uh, it was a lot of paperwork that I didn't understand and a lot of, a lot of work, but, um, but I just thought it was the best way to really care for the kids. So that's, it took us about, it took, I say us, but it took me about three years um, to set it up. I, I knew it had to be years. I mean, I, I, I know what people have gone through just to set up a basic 501c3 yeah. can, can be a nightmare. But you're talking about, you know, an adoption agency where you're dealing with orphans and that sort of thing. That's a big, that's a big tall order. I mean, you got to, I, I mean, correct me on this, Caroline, but I'm sure there are special licensees. I am sure there are special applications. I, I would imagine you've got to jump through all kinds of hoops. All kinds of hoops. It was like going back to college. I mean, just, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. So we, we find the children and then we find the families. And so in 2003, I go back to India for the second time because I thought, okay, I'm going to go meet these six children that are available for international adoption. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. And then I'm going to go, um, see every orphanage I can just so there were six kids in six different orphanages and I visited 20 orphanages on that trip because I just wanted to get the landscape of what was happening right. and I learned many many things that first trip first of all uh, the kids that were available for international adoption were fat and happy and inoculated um, the kids that weren't available were sometimes tied to their beds by their neck oh dear like no value at all. On I mean, you're talking, you're talking literally here now. You're talking literally. literally oh my God. Their, yes. And, and, and who would do such a thing? I don't understand. You know, How's just, that legal? Just really. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's not legal. And, and this is years ago. So I'm not saying the system is the same, I, but, but back then, hmm. um, you know, they wanted, they wanted money. They wanted bribes, you know, for, to pay for the kids. So, um, which was I mean, this, not, this sounds like an this sounds like an appetizer for human trafficking. Yeah, you know. So I you called, know? and then I thought, wait a minute. And I knew that I knew that the most successful 
um, adoption agencies were adopting 20 children a year from per country. Okay. So a big, a big, a big uh, adoption agency might be doing a hundred kids a year, but they were in five different countries. So um, we were going to be able to do 20 kids a year. And I'm thinking there's a hundred kids per orphanage. How, how, what happens to everybody else mm. and who's taking care of the children that aren't available for international adoption and who cares about them? And no, number one, number two, how are we going to scale this? I mean, 20 kids a year just isn't going to cut it. Number three, um, all these other orphanages that I'm going to, it's like, where are the systems? How come every orphanage is running ad hoc? Why aren't they running like, why can't they run like Starbucks? Why can't they all just have the same chart of accounts that run like, like kind of like a franchise? And so um, I called all six families on that trip. And I said, listen, I like my bad news served hot and I'm not doing it. I'm not, I can't, you know, our deals off, our contracts off. I'm, I'm not going to adopt. We can't adopt your child. Of course they were crushed. So, um, I came back to the U S wow. Yeah. That was a moment. It was another moment. It was another moment. Yeah. So I came back to the U S and I was out of ideas and I was out of money. And I did go back to see that, um, that first little baby girl that I put on that wooden bed. I had been sending money to that orphanage every month and they were doing great. It was just, okay. they, they, that money was really, really helping them. And so I came back to the U S and I, um, I called a friend, not a friend, he's a friend now, but I called this man that I didn't know. He, he ran a nonprofit in Austin called uh, mobile loaves and fishes. And I said, listen, you don't know me. I'm one of your volunteers. And I just, I just need some help. I need to talk to someone that started their own nonprofit because I am lost, but I will not stop helping these kids. I've got to help these children. Hmm. And he said, okay, well let's, you know, let's go have coffee. And so I, I sat down with him to have coffee and he said, tell me of your conversion, which I thought was a very interesting question. And I told him about putting Shibani Das, that little baby girl in that wooden bed. I told him about that story. And he said, now tell me what you think mobile loaves and fishes does. And I said, well, I know what we do. We drive around and we feed homeless people. Um, we bring dignity to our homeless brothers and sisters. That's what I said, because that was the company line. So he said, that's not what we do at all, Caroline. What we do at Mobile Loaves and Fishes is we enable 9,000 people a year to make a difference in the world and help the homeless. And I said, wait a minute. You're doing this for the volunteers? You're doing this for us? And he said, that's right that we're doing it, we're doing it for the volunteers. And I said, but the homeless people win. He said, I know that's how, you know, God's in it is mm. if everybody wins. Wow. Said, you know, Caroline, it's your job to help the orphans. I'm not saying that's not the job. That's the job. But really the real job is to find a way for the spiritually hungry to feed the nutritionally hungry, mm. to be the bridge for people to do that third leg of the stool that we talked about earlier to make a difference, to be able to give people an opportunity to make a difference to somebody that really, really needs it. Right. So this is a big teachable moment right now. I mean, this is, this is, this is big in this whole chapter. So how does it work? It's the paradigm shift, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the paradigm shift. So Miracle Foundation did exactly what, uh, what we talked about. So we came up with a model of how to run a great orphanage. That's what we did that we came up with a way to run a, an orphanage like you would run a 
Starbucks or a Taco Bell or a Whataburger or, you know, a franchise. They all run with the same 12 principles. And so we started going into existing orphanages and um, teaching them um, how to measure the, the rights of the child. That's what it was all based on. And we started helping orphanages improve and raising the standard of care. And we started um, getting um, people on this side of the pond, the Americans and the, the, the Europeans, to support monthly, just like you would support, um, you know, just like you're going to pay for your electricity monthly. Right, take right. care of a child every single month. Take care of their needs. Underwrite their needs every single month. Kind of like Chris was doing in the beginning. You know, if we, t if we thought about our health the way we think about our philanthropy, we would all be very, very sick. You know, to think about your philanthropy once a year, you know, so getting people to think about their philanthropy every single month and giving to the poor every single month is a way to really let people make a difference. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, circumstances around the globe are not all equal, are they now, Caroline, you know? Yeah, opportunities I mean, are not equal. No, and there are a lot of lot of people in need, clearly, and that's what you're showcasing right here. I have to tell you, uh, Caroline uh, Boudreau, you are something else, man. I tell you that you are something else. Thank you. Um, I, 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 God, we gotta we gotta get Dad on at some point here. I'm sure he's got a lot to say now. What does oh, he say now? So funny. Yes, he's great. Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be so proud of you. He's he's so proud, and you know it was it's been wonderful because, you know, you get one orphanage and you get those children in that orphanage college bound and computer literate and, you know, amazing on, you know, the trajectory of their life. But, you know, we have, we have 167 orphanages, um, most of them in India, 10,000 children, just thriving, thriving. All right. Uh, take a moment and let's tell people how bad is it out there? Let's, I mean, I don't think people really grasp the point. Uh, and you, you've, you described the, the poverty part of it well. And, and, and I love the definition earlier of poverty, friends. You've got to go hear that because I think that was Caroline's gift today to remind us all what real poverty is. But when we look at uh, speaking about the children that are, that are in these orphanages, and as you say, and I was reading, your first attempts is to, you know, a lot of these still have a family member around, sometimes a parent. You try to uh, connect that relationship back to the family if possible is what I, I understand you're doing, right? More than 80% have a living parent, you say, yeah? Yeah, and, and the parents often don't have the children with them because they think that they're better off in an orphanage. They think the food's better in an orphanage. They think the education is better off in an orphanage. So they're really doing their children a favor, they think. They think. They when they put how, them in. How would they think that? My golly, wow. Well, because they look at the orphanage and they think, wow, you know, uh, look at the food they have. Look at the education they have. Look at the people that they have taking care of those kids. And my kid's a latchkey kid. So, um, you know, sometimes they think that they can't feed them every day, so they'd just be better off being fed. Yeah, yeah. But again, so, remember, true poverty is when no one loves you. That's it. Yeah, that's as you define that already. True poverty. I mean, it's it's not the money part of it, people. It's it's when it's it's an empty empty vessel. There's nothing, you know. It's not there. I mean, that's that's sadder than sad, clearly. And when you're seeing that, as you say, out in a lot of these countries, uh, you you just you realize how uh, blessed uh, we are in this country. You know, Caroline. You know uh, how blessed Americans are, and they really don't know, do we? You know. No, I mean, we, yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, that's really how you solve the orphan crisis is you get them a good parent. 
Miracle Foundation spent years mm -hmm. raising the standard for children that lived in orphanages. And it was great. And like I said, you know, 10,000 children benefited from that. It was, it, it's really awesome. But the best thing you can do for a child, the best orphanage in the world isn't as good as a good family. And so that's the ultimate goal here is to get these children into a good family. And a lot of people, as we've discovered on previous shows, they, some of these kids end up uh, aging out in an orphanage. I mean, sadder than sad. Some states are 18, some are 21. I'm talking about here in the States, you know, uh, and they age out where they never get, get a family at home in a family, I mean, right? And, and what kind of, exactly. And what kind of conversation is aging out? Mm -hmm. You don't age out of a family. You don't even age out of high school or college or PhD. You don't age out of anything except a system. Hmm. So, you know, it just tells you children really shouldn't really be in systems if they age out. And just, you know, I ask people, how, how many times have you depended on your parents since you were 18? What the heck? You know, who ages out? It <laughs> right. That's, that's a good point. No, no, it's, it's a valid, valid point here. Yeah. Uh, do we do we have a um, around the globe? I mean, this is a pretty profound problem. I mean, what are the numbers? UNICEF says they're you, they're significant, aren't they? Of well, kids that don't have families. The, 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 the truth is that we don't really know. Exactly. 153 million was the number that was quoted three years mm -hmm. ago. Today, oh. the number is 8 million. I am, would be surprised if the, the problem has gotten that much better in the last three years or if the numbers... Kidding me. Is that what they say? Wow. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are just all over the place. So when you don't have uh, the count, you wonder if they really count. So, you know, getting the data of, of how many children... Um, is is really a big part of our work yeah yeah so it's the miracle foundation uh, miraclefoundation.org friends you need to look it up now the site is a, 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 it's a fantastic site i mean there's a lot of great information there and uh, and links you link up on twitter as well the miracle uh, found uh, facebook as well uh, just the Miracle Foundation. We'll give all more of that a little bit later on as well here. Um, I want to talk next uh, to Caroline uh, about, um, uh, well, first of all, this foundation now, what it's really doing. Because, again, we look at the site and we see some of the numbers and stats here. It's, it's incredible. But the journey she took from the floor forward, and, you know, people saying that, obviously, you're out of your mind. I mean, that's a common thing when you're doing that in life. When you're jumping off the edge, well, I call it make the next leap forward. Sometimes when you're going to make that leap forward, you can scare the hell out of people. Yeah, some people would call it the brink. <laughs> yeah, they call it the brink, love. You get to the brink, and but it really is the brink of greatness. And I love the brink, Caroline, because it's a point of our life we get to, and we, it's, we make the right decision, whatever that decision is. And it's a daring decision. It's a life-changing decision. And it just changes everything. It's the brink of greatness. And it can be a lot of reasons why we get there. There's no one steady reason or path. Um, it's just knowing that you've made the right decision in your life. But you have to make the next leap forward to get there. And that's, that's really the big thing about this. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I looked it up. I looked up brink. And it, you know, I loved the definition because it said a point at which something, typically something unwelcome, Mm -hmm. is about to happen or on the verge. And it's true. It's like, if you think yeah. about the challenges of our life, that apex of putting that orphan baby on a wooden bed, I didn't want that to happen. That was the worst right. thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. That's why I took that name. And when I put this all together, that you see why I went with the brink of greatness. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're brink thinkers as well with what we're doing out here. But you know, you know, Caroline, I know you so appreciate this whole process. 
of uh, what, what I'm trying to do here is showcase great stories. There are a lot of great people out there. The world is full of great stories. We're just, nobody's talking about them, Caroline, you know? Um, right. And we have to, we have to put a spotlight on these and do this. You are such a cool brain thinker. I'll tell you, I adore having you on here today. You're amazing. And the gift you're giving everybody uh, in every aspect of sharing your story uh, and helping us understand the plight out there of many and how to turn that into a great opportunities for these young people, which you're doing, which you're doing by finding those families. Because without a family, that is pure poverty, people. I mean, if you don't have that to rely on, you you are, that is ground zero, really, for all of it. Uh, it's, it's very fascinating. Let's continue this. We'll take another leap forward, friends, into the third chapter here with Caroline Woodrow in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. First of all, her website, you go there now, themiraclefoundation.org, and look at the beautiful pictures of the kids and the video there. It's, it's really, really awesome, and I love the message in here. Until every child has a family, let's create miracles for them. She's got a lot of positive, uplifting messaging. And then, Caroline, when you say get involved, that's very personal to me, because one of my mantras rallying calls that I use out there is get involved, get loud. Now, this is Mr. Out Loud speaking to you, keep in mind, you know, so that makes sense, right? We do. We do. We have to stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves. Let's touch on what you just said, please. And, and difficult question, but I'd love to know your answer. Why can't people stick up for themselves? Why can't they stand up for themselves? Well, children oftentimes don't have the platform. They are marginalized or they are, I mean, you know, they're shut-ins. So the children that we represent, the children that we serve, there's no way for you to get to them. You wouldn't even know how to get to them. Yeah, they become a product of their society. Yeah, and they're oftentimes scared and they're been hurt. And you know, there's no child in the foster system and no child in an orphanage that hasn't had some trauma. The oh, pictures of these kids are priceless, by the way, on this video. It is worth the price of admission. You know, that's why you've got it up here, obviously. It's the pri but it's a beautiful video, huh? Definitely. Yeah. They're angels. Yeah, they're angels. You can see it. The smiles in their faces and the interactions and the games. And I don't know who's playing the games with them or what have you. Are you, are you anywhere while this video is being shot? Are you around at all? Are I'm you some... totally around, yes. I'm... All right. I feel like your energy has got to be in that video somewhere. That's why I ask you that question. It has to be there, Caroline. It is, yes. I'm, I'm, I love them. I'm with them. Yeah, you can see that. I mean, that's why the smiles are on the faces. And um, so you were founded on Mother's Day in 2000, you say, and you, you took a stand for the orphan children. Are you going in a lot of different countries or is India basically, that's uh, back to the cell phone in India. That's why you have the cell phone in India, right? 
Right, right. We, we're working with um, lots of kids in India, and then um, we work with partners in 40 other countries. So we aren't implementing in other countries. We're just working with partners that are, which is great because we can't go at this point and learn about the Ukraine. We're going to support an organization that is. So you support organizations in these other countries, but you're predominantly in India is your yes, base where exactly. you're doing it. Okay. Exactly. We are and, an implementing organization in India. Yes. In order to run an organization like yours, you've got to have dollars. That's right. That's right. So we have something called, um, we have about four different um, revenue streams okay. uh, or, you know, buckets of, we have something called the village. Uh, village members are people that sign up um, for a five-year period and they get, they're like our insiders. They get the detailed information about what's going on behind the scenes. So good news, bad news, they, they typically hear it first. And that's people that sign up for our village. Our village is monthly donors people that sign up and say, I will donate and support monthly. Like I said, just like my friend Chris did way back. Well, how much money a month? What are you talking about? What, what can people you know, whatever get? Whatever you can give, you know, um, it's, we'd say, feel it. We don't, we do want you to feel it. So a stretch. So like to help one child out. Yeah. Can you give something like $20 a month? Or does it have to be 50? How do you help one child out? Is that, $20 is a month, pay, $25 a month pays for the nutrition of a child. A hundred dollars a month covers everything. That means everything. That means they're going to be a college bound, probably, you know, engineer, nurse, whatever one day. College, but get out of okay. here. Yeah. $100 okay. bound. I love the way you say college bound, a nurse, or this, that. That is cool. Yeah, they're amazing. They do their part. I mean, they really do. Your American kids, you know, have to go to school. These little orphan kids get to go to school. They, they are, they're passionate about their studies. Oh, wow. Yeah, Which is why a lot of international students do so well, right? Right. Their motivation is so high. Mm -hmm. A lot of them end up being, as you say, great doctors, right. great professors, you know, great engineers, so, right? Yeah. So, you know, for people that donate monthly, we have somewhere close to 500 people that do that every single month, and they are just super powerful for us. So that's a big part of the money stream, that's isn't it? That's a big it? part of the money. And does and that come into your organization, or do you that, distribute it? That comes into Miracle Foundation, and we distribute it. Oh, yeah. isn't that cool, man? And then, cool. yeah, it, it's, and then, you know, I'm just going to say for any nonprofit that any of the listeners out there are supporting, that monthly donation changes the game because when I came from the corporate world into the nonprofit space, budgeting was the hardest thing to figure out. I mean, how do you budget if you don't know what's coming in? So people that are donating monthly, you can get, you, you, you have a way to budget against that and you can know exactly how many kids you can say yes to in India. You know exactly how many um, people are going to donate, how much money you're going to bring in every year from that monthly donors, which is why we call them the villagers and why we just treat them like gold and give them the good, the bad, the ugly. Well, um, I, I got to tell you, if people are listening to your voice now, and uh, I, I'll tell everybody how to donate, what to do, but let me share these numbers with you a moment from the site here. I mean, there's some pretty interesting numbers here. So, uh, so listen to this, uh, just almost 8,000, 7,800 total children supported in various ways here the foundation is doing. 2,000 children receiving life skills education, skills that promote mental well-being, as an example, friends, you know. Um, 1,800 government officials trained on Miracle Foundation's proven method. Now, you heard Caroline talk about a proven method. And you know full well when you hear Caroline's confidence and commitment and what she went through, that she's not going to do anything haphazardly. 
you can tell that about you, Caroline, that you're going to be very methodical in how you do it. And I bet you you can rub a couple of dimes together and make a quarter, I bet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just guessing, but I bet that's the case. And then you have here, children impacted, listen to this, 958,050 children impacted through our child first digital toolkit which is shared by the way they share it with 178 organizations in 34 countries which is as caroline what she was just talking about that they try to distribute this knowledge and experience and confidence and ability uh, around the globe around planet earth they can't be every single place at every but this is how she does it so she's created more or less a machine is what it is to be able to help the kids and at the end of the day friends Guess what? The children they've placed in families. Now, this is real families, like kids that now have a family. How important is that? How would you like growing up yourself without a family? It's not good. 650, they've placed children with families. That's, a, that's, some, that's some record there. That's some numbers there, Caroline. And growing. That's just growing and growing, yeah. Oh, there's, I mean, you're a force to be reckoned with. I can hear it in your voice. I mean, come on. Uh, so there's no doubt it's growing. I mean, you, you may be able to solve the problem. Uh, well, you can't do it yourself, but you'll certainly be a good cheerleader and a leader up front, you know? Well, you know, we have these, we have these uh, other organizations that we're working with, and, you know, we definitely share our best practices with them, but they share their best practices with us as well. I mean, it is, mm -hmm. a, it is an exchange. Mm -hmm. Of knowledge, it's, the knowledge is definitely not just going one way. Um, and, and our commitment, when I say our, I mean Miracle Foundation and about 30 organizations around the world that are working with orphans, we're trying to close our doors by 2040. We're trying to say... You want to close your doors by 2040? We want children to have families by 2040. Every kid with a good parent by 2040. In, 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 in the world, you're saying? In the world. Oh, wow. That is so... States. You want so to put an end to this. You want to abolish these, these ch ch childless uh, family. You want to abolish this. You want to make this wrong. This is, we know how to do it. I mean, we do know how we, you know, I mean, HIV, we, HIV was supposed to wipe out the planet that's in right. 2000, right? But that's right. there was a cocktail that was figured out and that is on the, that's on the decrease every single year. There used to be 40,000 kids a, a day die of starvation. Today, it's only 8,500. I mean, it's terrible. 8,500 kids die a day of starvation today. But it used to be 40,000. There used to be smoking in bars. Slavery used to be legal. No, the world. This is there's formulas yeah. out there. We don't have to make it up. Yeah, I see. I just see the pictures of you. I hadn't looked at where, what you would look like, but you're with uh, Maria Shriver and one and uh, Thrive Global. Yeah. And uh, now I see you. I was going to say we need to get some photos of you interacting with the kids for the uh, platform, you know, OK? Yeah. Yeah. I've got to, got to send me some photographs. I love these photographs here. Yeah, they look really cool. Yeah. Wow. Caroline, you have really lifted me up here today. I have to tell you, you know, you really have. Um, Thank you. And, you know, it's interesting because we started off talking about money mm -hmm. and how, you know, I used to have a lot of it. And now I just have what money can't buy, which was, is, you know, happiness and contentment and fulfillment and how cool it is to be able to do something for people that can't do, do it for themselves. It's really been a, quite the journey.
19. Now, I, I got to ask you something. Now, Miracle Foundation is your family, obviously. Uh, did you? But I, I've got to ask you, if you don't mind me getting personal with, with you, so listeners know, did you get married? Did you have children? Or no? I did. I got married uh, about 11 years ago, and I married a man with two kids. So I, I didn't have children of my own, but I have two stepsons. Oh, fantastic. Okay, yeah. so there's your children then, and, uh, and your, your husband and you, right? That's right. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Now, 11 years ago, so you did get married. All right. So I'm going to look in here to one because I wasn't sure. I thought maybe looking at it, you were still doing your thing or, you know, as a solo. Yeah, no, I thought I would never get married, but uh, he, he, he wore me down. I was going to say, <laughs> right, because you look like a career go-getter to me, somebody who can make it happen. Yeah. 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 And he's great. We're, we get, we, we love each other very much. Yeah. Well, he'll hear this program hopefully afterward here and you'll see what he thinks about it. I'm sure you let us know, but um uh, you, you've done a lot of this here, I, I, I believe. But uh, Caroline, so what's next for the, well, uh, you hear me, with, you, you lay out the big, big plans ahead so people can get involved. And let me tell folks now too, while I, I can, br Brink Charities, uh, friends, on thebrinkofgreatness.com. Now what I've done is I've selected some of the most unique charities of many of these beautiful, beautiful people we've showcased on the Brink of Greatness. And I put their, um, links to their pages and for donations. And what I'm asking is, you know, you don't have to be wealthy to donate a few dollars, $50, $100, $20 here, whatever it is that you can afford. But I say spread it around a little bit. Go in there and take a couple, three of these charities and drop some dollars in there because the folks that are helping people through these organizations is, is bar none, such an amazing accomplishment. And so there's a link in there now for Miracle Foundation. And it sounds like to me, uh, Caroline, if people give those few dollars to you and the organization, you, you're entrusted to make sure that gets into the right places. Exactly. And, and you can go to the charity watchdogs. There's, there's something called charity navigator. The percentage of dollars that go to the end result for you. 83 cents of every dollar goes directly to programs. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. 83 and, and the remainder is to run the program. That's right. That's okay. right. To run and the you organization. You can, you can go to charity navigate, charity navigator.org and, and look at um, any organization you want to look at. Now, if they have to be over a million dollars to be rated, you're looking for four star ratings. That means that charity navigator and they do do their research. Yep. They have, they have looked at our books. They have, you know, four stars is the highest star you can get. That's what miracle foundation holds. If they're not rated, it means that they don't bring in more than a million dollars a year. But right. you can still go look at their IRS and see, you can still go look at their 990s and see and what they're doing. With and them. that's good advice. And some of them on the Brink Charities may not be over Maine, but a lot of them are as well. Uh, you bring up a really good point. And the Charity Navigator is a good measurement to do that. It's, it, they, you're right. They go through a whole process oh, and they'll tell you, yeah. if it, right, right, 80, 90%, yeah. whatever it is. And because sometimes you get them that are 60, 70%. That's not a good thing, Caroline. Yeah, and there's two things you're looking for. You're looking for the percentage. It's very important. But you're also really looking for, does it work? And how do you know if it works? And that's why Miracle Foundation's methodology is so critical, because that's what Charity Navigator is not going to tell you is if it works. So if 100% of every dollar goes to the program, but the program doesn't work, what, what are you doing? Let's not, you've got to remember to ask the second question. Right. Well, that's what you have here with all the numbers. I mean, it tells you you put it right out in the front here on the site. And and the reward for you is getting those families with homes. I'm sure you must have a boatload of letters and comments and all kinds of testimonies from people. Oh, yeah. And the children, you know, I was with one of the boys last year and he, he looked at me and he said, you know, he's he's 19 now. He's a grown man. 
um, he's in college and, and he said, you know, he, they call me auntie. And he says, why'd you do it, auntie? Why did you do it? Hmm. Why did you come help us dirty kids? Wow. Yeah. So you've kind of shared with all of us why you did it, Auntie, uh, Auntie Caroline. Uh, you kind of have shared with us, and we, we, yeah. we know why. It was on your heart. It was in your mind, and was, it was clearly part of your soul. And you knew there were, had to be another path for you. And you weren't happy in that corporate structure of what you were doing. The dollars were there, but the dollars are, again, it's an empty program. You also discovered the true meaning of poverty. Uh, yeah. that, that in itself is worth plenty. Most and, the, and, and the true meaning of wealth. Well, yeah. A lot of people live their whole life and don't understand the true meaning of wealth or poverty. Yeah, those, that's true. Wealth as well. Yeah, you're right. They're big words. <laughs> They're big words. And they mean a lot. It, it, just, it just really nails down what's important to all of us. And I like the idea of all of this to help. And uh, one of my thoughts, Caroline, is how do we help more people on the planet? And both here in the States and abroad, everywhere, because there's a lot of needs here at home as well. This is not perfect back here either, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of needs here, a lot of needs everywhere. And we need to help everybody out and raise everybody up. And the fact that you have put that plan out there by 2040 is truly remarkable. I'm wishing you great success all the way forward. Thank with you. this. And, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, I think, you know, I want to get the chance to, I, I feel like I will be able to invite you as an expert in this field to talk on some of our news programs and things on America a lot. I would enjoy doing that, Caroline. Okay. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. You, I think you need to be around here somewhere. Your energy needs to be kept here somewhere around the platform here. So um, we need to definitely stay in touch on all that. Uh, friends, it's all, we'll put everything in the post there when it goes to podcast there on the brink of greatness. Com. Please get behind the Merkel Foundation and help out what Caroline is doing. Uh, yeah, I, I think you'll love the website when you go there and really check out some of the pieces of it. It's well done, well put together. Yeah, and please uh, let's give a shout out to Chris and give her our best, okay? We'll do, we'll do. <laughs> Absolutely. As she listens to this, I hope, and, and she enjoys. And we got to spread this around with the world, people, to let folks know about all these great stories and what's going on. This is important stuff. We're doing some heavy lifting here but it's important stuff. Uh, and there are steps you can take in your own life. I want you to take some of this into your own life, friends, and make your own life what it can be. And do what Caroline said, get on the floor, lay it all out there and make your move. It helps me out too. It helps me out, people, to figure out what I wanna do when I grow up. God help me, huh? All right, it's good to be with you here. Thanks for being part of the journey, friends. The brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward.